The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Rachel Miller-Howard. On today's show, we bring you a conversation with Cassandra Griffin, who's the executive director for the Community Cycling Center. This is a nonprofit happy hour on X-Ray FM. I am Phil Bussey. I'm joined in the studio today with Cassandra Griffin, who is executive director for the well-known Community Cycling Center up on Northeast Alberta. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And and Community Cycling Center is one of those uh, established, iconic, uh, nonprofit organizations in Portland but I wonder if people actually know the extent of what the Community Cycling Center does. I think most of our staff doesn't even know the extent of what the Community <laughs> Cycling Center does. The organization is is bigger than people realize, and it's also more complicated than people realize. The most visible thing we have is the bike shop on Northeast Alberta. It's at 17th in Alberta. Um, and right now, that is one of the bigger bike shops in town. We have, I think, 18 staff working in the bike shop, and that is just part of our operation. We also have community programs all over town um, doing doing things from giving bikes away to kids from families with low incomes to doing after-school bike clubs to teaching bike mechanics as STEM education in alternative high schools. Um, to supplying loaner bikes to community rides for culturally specific groups that want to get people out and more active. Um, so we are all over the place doing all kinds of things. And we try to tell our staff even what we're doing, and they always say, oh, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. So let, let's let's try to um, bring focus to that. Then what's all this activity, what is the goal? Is yeah. this... Is this uh, like the the name says, is it about the community? Is this about uh, environmental, about reducing carbon footprint? Is this about uh, teaching life skills through teaching bike mechanics? What is the goal, if you can say so in under 25 words, would be great? Well, the mission is to broaden access to bicycling and its benefits. Mm-hmm. So that there's, but there's so many benefits. And so we just leave that open to interpretation in the mission statement, because if we say we're doing it for the sake of the environment, then then that leaves out people who value it more for the sake of health. And if we do it for the sake, we say we're doing it so that everyone has a way to get around regardless of their citizenship status and their ability to get a driver's license, then that leaves other people out. And if we say we want to do it because it's the most efficient way to get around in the middle of the night if you have a lousy job and you're trying to get around by transit, um, then that leaves other people out. So we just say broaden access to bicycling and its benefits, and we leave the rest, the, the why behind that to interpretation. I personally get to it because I am a diehard environmentalist, and I believe that bicycles are a critical solution to the climate change problem, and and that if the bicycling is just a thing that 
middle class, middle aged white people do, then we're we're not going to be able to use that solution. Um, the the investment in bicycle infrastructure will decrease as the number of people riding bikes decreases. So my personal motivation is to make sure that we're still filling up the bike lanes with with a diverse array of people. And let's let's talk. Let's focus on that for a little bit. And is there any data that says that biking is just white middle class people? And is that changing? Is that diversifying at all? Well, it, bicycling is so complicated. I, I mean, bicycling is is for every child uh, are around the world in this country and in countries around the world. Children love to ride bicycles, and that is not that's not divided at all by race. Um, we we work with a lot of immigrant and refugee families through our holiday bike drive. One of our a staff member is a refugee from Iran, and he talks about how when he was a kid and he wanted a bicycle when he was new to America, that was something that he felt like would have connected him to his childhood in Iran. It's not something that is uniquely American, like kids all over the world ride bikes. Um, but but to ride a bike as a adult for recreation is predominantly a white thing to ride a bicycle as an adult for transportation because you don't have better options is actually quite common but it's less visible and it's less talked about but nationwide the statistics about adults who are getting killed riding bicycles um, it's skews disproportionately towards people of color because they're more likely to be riding um, on in in less uh, safe environments because they're trying to actually get from their houses to their jobs and their houses and their jobs are less likely to be the places with really nice supported bicycle infrastructure. Which then, which then uh, I guess leads into a question of how much does community cycling do in terms of trying to bring about more bike lanes, safer bike lanes, more bike awareness, um, because this is more than just providing bikes. Not that yeah. that's not enough to do, but... The the city of Portland is blessed to have two strong bicycle organizations that both started in the 90s. Um, and I coincidentally worked for the other one for a number of years. Um, so what used to be the Bicycle Transportation Alliance is now called the Street Trust. They changed their name a couple years ago. That organization has always been focused on the advocacy side of things and trying to get more... Uh, bike lanes, more bike facilities, better budgets as pertain to um, active transportation and also laws and policies. They're, they've been working for years on trying to change the driver's manual and try and have people have to retest periodically to make sure that they're skilled to operate motor vehicles on the roads. So that organization since the early 90s has been working on the essentially the advocacy and budget side of things. The Community Cycling Center started in 1994 with the idea of changing lives through bicycles focused on the individuals. And, and the two organizations have overlapped over the years in the area of bicycle safety education and, and youth programs. But mostly we've been able to maintain that split of the the now Street Trust taking the lead on the advocacy side of things and the Community Cycling Center taking the lead on really working with individuals to to change individual lives and use bicycles as a, we say, as a vehicle for empowerment. Um, I want to change gears yeah. a little bit. Um, let's go back to 1994 and, and why or how did Community Cycling Center come about? And certainly, uh, I, I assume it started on Alberta Street where it is now? 
Uh, yes, Alberta, not not where it where is, is now, it? though. Um, and which was an incredibly different neighborhood at at that point. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a little bit complicated. The community cycling center is part of the story of gentrification. So uh, a bike mechanic named Brian Lacey bought a house at 23rd in Alberta. And uh, he had been working at the bike gallery and then I think briefly at City Bikes. And he he moved into this neighborhood and he looked around and he saw a lot of kids from families with low incomes riding around on broken bicycles. And at first he thought, like, I'm going to I'm going to help those kids and I'm going to fix their bikes for them. And then he uh, went on a field trip down to another organization that had gotten started a few years earlier in Eugene called the Center for Appropriate Transport. And that was an organization worked. Uh, focused on working with kids to learn how to do their own bicycle mechanics. And Brian thought, oh, that's the be- that's the better idea. Like, I shouldn't fix the bikes for the kids, you know, teach a person to fish model. So, so he came back and he said, like, I have this idea. I want to start an organization based right here. Look, there's an empty storefront literally around the corner from my house in the Rexall Rose building of uh, 24th in Alberta. Um he said, I want to start an organization, and he reached out to some people, and one of the people he reached out to was his former boss at the Bike Gallery. The longtime owner is a great guy named Jay Graves. Um, Jay Graves was then on the board of the Cycle Oregon, of Cycle Oregon, which uh, did and still does make small grants to communities around the state that they ride through and also to bicycle-related activities. So Brian Lacey made a pitch to to Jay, Jay talked to the rest of the Cycle Oregon board, led by Jonathan Nicholas, and they decided to invest $5,000 in starting this little organization. And 25 years later, the organization has grown and grown, and the idea has always been teach people how to fix their own bikes, um, use bicycles as a tool for empowerment, see if you can lift people up by by giving them this tool and helping them learn. Do you go as far as to say that this is social justice work? We we hover around those words. Uh, some sometimes we use them, and sometimes we feel like we're being a little bit over ambitious with them. Fair enough. Fair enough. And 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 I think it's also it's it's very interesting looking at the the origin story of, of community cycling center and and what what how the neighborhood has changed. Yeah. How has that affected the cycling center? Um, well, the shop has grown and grown, and the shop has increasingly been an let me back up and say the shop has a wonderful program called a low-income commuter discount where anyone who gets government benefits, you have a, a Oregon Trail card or a Oregon Health Plan card, you come in and you show that to our cashiers and we will give you 20% off uh, parts, tools, service, everything in the shop also because we want to keep people on bikes. So the bike shop is still serving a a low-income population, and a lot of that low-income population is traveling from outside of the neighborhood to get to us because we have that program. So on the one hand, the demographics of the neighborhood have changed, and we have a lot of rich lawyers who walk into the shop, not specifically because it's a nonprofit, it's just their local neighborhood bike shop, and they want to buy more expensive things than we have historically sold. And we, we grapple with that continually, like how how high-end should we go in the bike shop? Um, we are selling new bikes now, but the new bikes that we sell are an affordable line of new bikes, not high-end new bikes. Um, we also have fabulous used bikes, and sometimes you can get a really high-end used bike for a screaming deal. So, um, 
But increasingly, the programs that we're doing, working with kids and working with with people in the community, is not right surrounded around the shop on Alberta. We're working a lot in the New Columbia neighborhood of Portsmouth, North Portland. We work a lot in the Coley neighborhood, which is not too far from the shop, but is a higher concentration of people with lower incomes. Um, And we're working a lot now to figure out how we can serve East Portland. We've been talking for a couple years about the possibility of opening another bike shop in East Portland, but we need to figure out the financing and the location and the partners to make all of that come together. And and so currently, does that is that uh, challenging to be community supporters, but you're not necessarily um, geograph- geographically uh, in, in tune? Uh, both both and the the community around Alberta has does depend on us as their community bike shop. And having a community bike shop in a neighborhood that is experiencing pretty good economic circumstances allows us to generate more revenue out of that shop to support our other programs in other neighborhoods. Um, and like I said, we're thinking about trying to open another shop. Uh, the, the question is, will we? How, how much will we have to invest in a new shop if we go that route because if we're trying to go into a neighborhood that um, is still uh, experiencing economic hard times, then people have less ability to pay. And so the bike shop becomes essentially a program, not a revenue generating shop as much. And so do we scale back other programs? That's, that's a fun challenge to have as an executive director. Uh, some days it's fun. <laughs> Cassandra Griffin is the executive director of Community Cycling Center, and and now you 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 brought in a uh, bike centric song. I did. Um, uh, I I think that the bottom line of it is that bicycling is fun for everyone, and so I like to ride my bicycle. I think a lot of other people <laughs> in this town like to ride their bicycles. And and uh, this is perhaps the, the the best use ever in a rock song of uh, of of um, bike bells. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a listen. Bicycle.
That was, of course, Queen. Uh, this is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I am talking with Cassandra Griffin, who is Executive Director of Community Cycling Center. Let's uh, let's let's turn the focus a little bit on you. We've been talking about the organization. What was your first bike? Do you remember your I first have, bike? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I, had, I had the kind of really happy childhood that doesn't leave a lot of strong memories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's... that's and 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 here's, let's, here's let's... A here I'll give you a bike story though. Here's this: uh, my parents bought me a nice twelve speed Schwinn, ten speed, twelve speed Schwinn when I was about twelve years old, and I have ridden bicycles that are too big for me for my entire life, because they bought me a size that they expected me to grow into. And I stopped growing at five foot three, so I never grew into that bike. I didn't get any taller after I was twelve, um, but I didn't ever downsize either because it feels weird to go to a smaller bike after you've been used to riding a bigger bike. And and when did you know that that biking was part of uh, your lifestyle, or dare I even say your personality? Um, I I was a pretty dedicated environmentalist from a pretty early age. Uh, I bike commuted to elementary school, uh, I carpooled to middle school, and I bike commuted again to high school. I grew up in a mild weather town in California, and so there weren't really any impediments to that. My father also worked across the street from the high school, so I had to back up if the weather was ever particularly bad or I didn't want to ride. Um, but I have been bike commuting my entire life. Um, in a funny coincidence, the Community Cycling Center started in 1994, and that's also the year that I got to Portland. Um, I didn't immediately connect to that organization, but I did immediately start riding my bike around Portland. Uh, I came as a Reed student. I f didn't start, but I finished college at Reed. Um, and my earliest, funniest Portland bike story is that I moved into a house at 15th and Clinton, and I was bike commuting from 15th and Clinton to Reed, which is at approximately 39th and Woodstock. And one day, one of my housemates... Um, and you'd have a, a few big streets to go across, but yeah. not, to, not to derail yeah, your story. Yeah, it was fine. Um, one of my housemates told me that she had biked downtown to go to the library. And I said, wow, isn't that a long ways? <laughs> because when you're a college student, you're so insular and you don't know. And I had no idea how close I was to downtown at 15th and Clinton. But so 25 years in Portland, um, yeah. you have an, and and uh, almost a decade at uh, Bike Transportation Alliance, or what was mm -hmm. then called Bike Transportation Alliance. You've seen changes yeah. in Portland. Uh, certainly in, in, in the 90s, there weren't as many bike lanes or there was bike lanes that would, would, would stop. Mm -hmm. I certainly remember on, on uh, Northeast Broadway, uh, there was a bike lane that would get you almost to the bridge and then it would just uh, shoot you into... Uh, uh, three lanes of traffic, right? And and 
it has certainly uh, become more. Uh, it's uh, Portland has become known as a bike city. Uh, the bike paths or the the bike lanes have become more connected. Uh, drivers have become more aware. Um, has Portland stagnated? However, um, we we have had a few fits and starts of the the strong investments in. Um, <clears throat> bicycling and uh i would love to have a, another burst of energy for that uh congressman earl blumenauer when he was in city hall really got a lot of the city of portland's wonderful um bike forward thinking going uh that was a, a good era in the early 90s um then uh i was very excited about sam adams in his role in city council and then as mayor and um we all know that got derailed a little bit uh, earlier than we had hoped it would. Um, so his ambition and energy around really investing in the bicycle system um, didn't come to fruition. And I'm excited to have Chloe Udaly, Commissioner Chloe Udaly now, um, as the Transportation Commissioner because I think that she is really seeing the, um, the traffic deaths on Portland streets as a crisis and wanting to get in there and invest more highly in solving that and prioritizing uh, safety for all road users over traffic speed for the people in armored vehicles. And, and I mean, it's, it is very interesting because I mean, as you, we talked about earlier, BTA and uh, is, is coming from a bit more of a macro idea of about bicycling and, mm -hmm. and uh, community cycling center is a bit more of micro or individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, and grassroots, uh, what? How can those two? I mean, which which one is going to be more successful, or how how does that work? I don't know what my question is. Yeah. Can you save me here? <clears throat> they're they're both absolutely critical. Um, we we need to have bicycle facilities, and we need to have people riding in them. Uh, we need to have people who want to ride in order for the city to decide to invest in facilities. We need to have um, uh, we need to listen to the voices of diverse communities as we look at where we should make investments. We need to be aware of the historic disinvestment in communities where people with lower incomes live and where people with darker skin colors live. Um, and we need to be solving that and changing that. Um, I mean, we talked earlier about <clears throat> whether bicycling is more of a white thing and part of it is that the investments in infrastructure have been more of a white thing that is they have benefited white people more and we need to be changing that um, as we look at east portland um, there are a lot of people living on low incomes who have bicycles and like would like to ride bicycles for transportation and east portland has not been well supported by infrastructure investments by the city of portland overall we know that in terms of sidewalks and uh, paved, paved streets and, and whatnot. And that's definitely true about, uh, bicycle lanes. Also, they've been putting some bicycle lanes on some of the busy streets, but then those streets are still busy and scary. Um, and now they're working on trying to do some side street investments, um, in order to find safe routes through neighborhoods where you're not on Gleason, you're not on Halsey, you're not on 122nd. Um, but the, the street network in East Portland is not as um, interconnected as the street network in closer in neighborhoods. So the city has a harder time finding those paths also. 
So uh, those are certainly uh, some of the infrastructure uh, uh, challenges. Is that the a uh, 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 number one reason why individuals aren't becoming bikers or bike commuters? Or what, what do you see some of the barriers uh, to becoming a, a biker? And, yeah. and how does the Community Cycling Center fit into that, into getting over past that barrier? Yeah. Um, great choice of words. The Community Cycling Center did a a big report and study about 10 years ago called Understanding Barriers to Bicycling, where we worked with uh, a couple low-income housing um, operators, developers and operators, to really talk to people in a couple communities. So that was North Portland, New Columbia, Portsmouth, and also um, the Culley neighborhood, where we're talking to people and saying, like, what are the barriers to you using bicycles more? Would you like to use bicycles more? What would it take? And people in different neighborhoods said different things. So in New Columbia, what the residents mostly said is that there's no bicycle repair facilities anywhere nearby. So they would uh, have have a problem, not know how to fix it, and not have anywhere to go. If they did put a bicycle in a car and drive to a shop a couple miles away, they would get there and not find it friendly, not find it welcoming, and not find it affordable. So the Community Cycling Center actually built and operates a uh, bicycle repair hub. It's like a small shack that that is just below the threshold for permitting and electricity and water. But we have a, a lean-to in a park in New Columbia that we operate and do free bicycle maintenance two days a week and for six months of the year. Um, in the Coley neighborhood, people said that they wanted to ride bikes more for recreation and community, but they, they needed support for organizing that. So we actually have a part-time organizer who works with that community to help them set plans and lead rides and organize activities and go out and table at Sunday Parkways as the Latino family reception area. So a bunch of different things are happening. There's not one universal answer, um, but what our organization has thought is really important is to actually ask people, like, do you want to use bikes? And if you do want to use bikes, how can we help? One, one, the one thing that that you didn't mention is is the rain. Um, I, I certainly have found that uh, even from growing up in a cold, snowy climate where I had no problems biking around, I don't like biking in the rain. And you know, rain pants have, can can do part of it. Is how much does that register for other people, or is that just my own problem? Uh, well, you can say there's no bad weather. There's only bad gear. So there, there is, at this point in the modern era, there's technical gear to solve all of the problems. Um, admittedly, that technical gear is relatively expensive. It's less expensive than a car, and some people don't have access to cars for reasons of immigration and driver's licenses and otherwise. Um, the rain is definitely a barrier, but it's not, it's not a huge barrier, and the, the countries in the world... Some of the countries in the world that have the highest levels of bicycle ridership have weather very similar to ours. So uh, I recently rode a bike holding an umbrella, um, which is a thing that is common in the Netherlands, and we don't do it a lot here, but that's one approach. <laughs> there's, there's certainly uh, Mary Poppin images that, pop, yeah. that that come to mind. I, and it is, it's it's remarkable that, that Minneapolis and Portland are really two of the leading biking cities and, mm -hmm. and, and as opposed to Phoenix and San Diego. Right. How can, and, and uh, we are coming to the end of our time here talking, uh, how can people support or, or take advantage of the Community Cycling Center? Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, 
You know, one thing I didn't say yet that I do want to say is that the Community Cycling Center brings together so much of what Portlanders love and what's great about Portland. So we have bikes, we have recycling, and we have volunteerism. So uh, we, people donate bicycles to us. Anyone can walk in any time we're open, which is 10 to 7, seven days a week this time of year, at our shop at Northeast 17th in Alberta to donate any bicycle in any condition. So we take your kids' bikes, we take your old bikes, we take your funny tandems, we take your funny recumbents, we take it all. Um, we assess bikes, uh, the kids' bikes, we work with hundreds of volunteers throughout the year to refurbish and give away adult bikes. We work mostly with our staff to clean up. And if they're in good working order, we resell them to keep affordable, used, non-stolen bikes recirculating in Portland's community. So come by the shop uh, with old bikes to donate. Come by the shop to shop for a used bike. Um, and the first Tuesday of every month is new volunteer orientation. We're always welcoming new people. Cassandra Griffin is Executive Director for Community Cycling Center. Um, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, and ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. 